All right, welcome to the Boburn Hanley Pro Football Podcast after week nine of the NFL. Crazy to think, Chris, that we are more than halfway done with this season. It's been weird. Uh, we've had games canceled. We've had Tuesday night football. We've had so many things going on. So as we kind of reflect on the first half of the season, boy, I, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, my buddy throughout Sunday, other than my newborn son, which has just been fantastic watching Bears games. It's been a lot of this during the <laughs> Chicago Bears games. I mean, it's either a maker's mark or an old Forrester, you know, when you got a really terrible offense and you're still somehow above 500, this is my Sundays right now. So this is what the 2020 NFL season has done to me. I, I hope yours has been better. Well, I think Matt Nagy might be drinking some of that. <laughs> because um, we'll, we'll, of course, get into that, that one right there because, um, you know, they're just not doing anything on off on the offensive side. No, it's it's brutal, man. It's just one of those things where you're wasting a good defense. But again, yeah, we got plenty of time to get into all of that. But, you know, uh, real quickly, wanted to start with what was kind of the exciting thing going into week nine was the return of Christian McCaffrey. And uh, I think as excited as we all were to see him come back. Uh, then you also see him writhing in pain with the shoulder injury too. So he might be gone for a couple of weeks and boy, the, the Panthers give him credit. And, and I said, I, th I thought I took the chiefs and I felt that they would be able to cover that just because it seemed like the Panthers were headed back into that direction. We thought they would in the first part of the season. They, they made that a game. That was uh, that was a lot more entertaining than I thought it would be. And it was a great effort all around. I think Matt rule deserves a lot of credit. They came out and did some things on defense at a fake punt. Uh, made a ton of plays and everything that could have gone right for them in that game pretty much went, went right, except for McCaffrey, of course, being injured, but he had an awesome game. He is such an X factor. And I'm a little surprised that the line didn't move at all once we knew he was playing. So I think the Carolina Panthers kind of go up a notch if he can play. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully he, he's, you know, it's not that as bad of an injury as it could be. Um, but, you know, again, at the end of the day, the Chiefs, it didn't matter. They still found a way to win that game. Did some pretty spectacular things, but yeah, we had some injuries this weekend that Kyle Allen broken ankle injury was, mm -hmm. I, I saw it happen like on the red zone, kind of when they showed the blitz and I knew what it was because just the way he went down and, and it was kind of blocked in the live shot. And I, I turned the channel. I couldn't watch it. I didn't, didn't see it. I knew exactly what it was. I felt bad for him. I felt bad for Jabril Peppers who got cut and was just kind of flying over the guy. I didn't mean to do yeah. it. So nasty injury. We got Alex Smith back, um, who ironically enough, where he's returning from a broken leg. Mm -hmm. And I'm a little concerned for him. He just, I mean, he's out there playing ton of heart. Um, I don't know how much harm I put him in though. You know, he, he does not move in that well um, for good reason, but yeah, the, the, the injuries are starting to take their toll as you see. And it's going to, I believe it's going to determine the, the future of a lot of these teams. Is that the worst injury? And I'm assuming that you've seen that at some point between your college football playing days and the pro football playing days when you have, and we saw Dak go down with the same thing too, where you have that, it looks like either the mid part of the leg, whether it's the shin or the high ankle, where it just basically snaps. And the Dak one, and I don't mean to get too detailed and gruesome, but when I first saw the Dak thing, I thought his shoe fell off. And then I realized, you know, his shoe is still part of his foot. His foot fell off the ankle is what it looks like. I mean, as someone who's played and has seen probably a litany of injuries, is that like the most just kind of gross and sort of like uneasy one you've ever seen? Yeah, I, I um, in 2002, tackle against the Eagles, 
when I was playing for the Giants and my buddy Richie Soyberg got his back of his leg stepped on. And the same thing that happened to Dak happened to him. And I was about 10 foot away and you heard the screaming and the yelling. Yeah. And, and Richie's one of my, to this day, one of my best friends. And the hardest part about that, I mean, it was, it was gruesome looking, but um, just having gone through that and then having to about five minutes later, having to go play the game, yeah. you know, having to continue that game after that was, it was definitely hard. So um, there, those injuries happen. I mean, they happen in everyday life. It's just every once in a while you get, you get a pretty bad one. And I, I get a little, for that reason, I don't like to, you know, when they do replays, I can't look at them. I don't yeah. know. I, can, I don't mind blood guts, any of that stuff. Uh, it's just when I was there, I guess. And I thought that could have happened to me. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, that, those are pretty, the, the hardest ones are the ones that, that create, you know, the breaks and the, the, the long-term trauma. Bobert, it's 2020, and we are still trying to define what exactly a catch is in the sport of football. And look, I will say this for the NFL. I think in the last couple of years, they've done a better job of sort of reducing some of the gray area. And, you know, the one thing that I've always liked about the adjustments to that rule is even when you come down on the ground, And if the ball does somehow make contact with the ground, as long as the majority of your hand or your arm seem to be securing it to where there's not extensive movement, that basically you are controlling the ball, even though there could be some contact with the ground in the football, uh, that they are still giving the receiver the benefit of the doubt. But do you think that are are we have we gone far enough? Uh, I mean, I know it it, it is a very. it's a little bit more complicated process sometimes because it always seems like, okay, once we got to figure it out, something else occurs where it's like, Oh wait, boy, I don't know if that sort of falls into the guidelines of what is a catch and what isn't. So just kind of what you saw this weekend, knowing that that kind of creeps back up, uh, where are we with that? Uh, Honestly, I think, I think there's one outlier um, that really, was a bad decision. I think the rest of the time the NFL has done a really good job. It almost comes down to common sense, right? If you catch the ball, you get two feet down and you're in control, it's a catch. They've kind of done, changed that now instead, instead of trying to define it as a football move and stuff like that. And, yeah. and I think it's, it's really simplified the process. Um, we saw the, the last play of the Chargers game that they lost again on the last play. They thought they won on the last play, mm-hmm. but it was an incompletion. And that was very obvious. The ball came out, right? Um, the one that, that Marcus Peters interception against the, the Colts. Um, I don't know. It didn't, you know, it's almost like the eye test is you, you pass the eye test. Is it a catch or not? looks like yeah. a catch to me. Okay, good. Um, it didn't look like a catch to me. You know, I mean, I know he had two steps down, but he was reeling and falling backwards. It's hard to say that he caught and controlled the ball, mm-hmm. but you know, they kind of went back to this definition of a third football move, which I think they just could have just said he had the ball and he possessed it and he was good. You know, so trying to start trying to define it with like a football move or something. I don't think that's how they define it anymore. I think if you catch it and get your feet down, it's a catch. Yeah. So they've done that's a good job of that. I think I think that that was kind of an, an outlier, kind of an exception, just because it didn't look like a catch. I don't think it was. Yeah, and, and to me, it's it is one of those. It, whether it's subjective or objective, what you know, we're talking about this rule, and I, I know the officials do not have it very easy because there's always something that kind of makes you think when you could slow it down though, I'm with you. I feel like when you slow it down, it puts you in this mindset of trying to be a little too critical of every detail 
of that entire process. And that was the one thing that always drove me crazy was completing the process of the catch. Well, I think the completing the process of the catch is being able to secure it, put it away and there you go. You have a catch, but well, if you make another step and the ball all of a sudden comes free, did was, is that a completion of the process? So I'm with you. I just feel like we can simplify this thing to the point that we could oversimplify it where you just look at it and say, all right, did the guy have possession? Does he secure it? And are the proper amount of feet, two feet at least inbounds when doing so? Uh, I feel like we can answer that question yes or no more times than just actually slowing it down. Be like, oh, okay, it just it came loose there, and I, ooh, I don't know, did he make the proper football move? I, I do. I feel like we overcomplicate it when it's something that I feel like you can oversimplify it. Well, I, I think that, and, and you know, just to really quick sum this up before we get to the games, um, where they run into an issue isn't where they're not to catch anymore, right? It's whether it's when a turnover happens after that. Right. 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 Fumble, so yeah. I think they're doing a great job and have it figured out really about, okay, is this a catch or my feet down? And the guy goes down or is tackled and that's a catch or not. Uh, when it comes up and there's some issue is when, like what happened with Marcus Peters, was he down enough to get the fumble out? And then was it a catch and fumble or was yeah. it a complete pass? So that's probably the next step is defining where's possession and when, when a turnover can happen. Um, I really think that they just got to say, okay, catch, yes or no, turnover, yes or no. So so we look at the week nine scores, and last time we came on, we, we talked a little bit about the Packers, Niners. Don't need to spend time on that one. Uh, that was what kicked off week number nine in the NFL. Uh, if we're going to start in week nine, I, I got to say, I, I feel like, and not just because I picked them, we need to start taking the Dolphins serious, right? Yeah, I mean – it, it, it's, it's kind of funny. So the Dolphins came out and Dolphins were, were um, a team that came out and just, just took care of business. They scored again with a defensive touchdown. So they're, yep. they're winning games like that, which is their strength and they got to do that. But I, I find it very interesting that they definitely covered obviously, because they were underdogs, mm-hmm. but that was a great game. And Kyler yep. Murray, in my mind, Kyler Murray kind of stood out more individually. He had 389 total yards. And not only can he, and four touchdowns, not only can he run the ball, the dude can sling it, man. Holy cow. For a B, for a guy as small as he is, he can really sl- sling it. But I think that you need to look at Tua and we need a longer sample size to see what he can do. Right. I mean, the Cardinals defense wasn't that great. Uh, Tua had a good game in this kind of shootout college type of atmosphere of which he's been successful. Uh, let's see what happens when he goes against the Steelers defense or he has to do a comeback or something like that. I think he's the right guy right now. And you see why Flores went to him because they saw something in him, but um, yeah, Miami with that defense and is, is going to be a contender. Um, I think in the, in the, in the, the NFC or AFC East, they could very well come out and take it. I mean, or, or try to catch up to Buffalo, maybe get a wild card. Yeah. But, but Tua in my mind is like a, a maybe right now. People are, I saw a lot of people like, oh my gosh, he's the greatest thing ever. And um, hasn't, doesn't have enough sample size yet, but he's going to get it. He's going to get an opportunity. Yeah. His debut was, I think was very basic, very vanilla. They didn't ask him to do too much. He didn't do too much in that one. This one, he made more plays. He was more efficient. You, you saw him use the legs. Uh, you, you saw the, the accuracy was a lot better. And so, well, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, we'll see about him because 
you know, I know Brian Flores said that, no, this is not an audition. They're, they're not trying to figure out if they're looking for the next quarterback in next year's draft. Uh, so they're kind of dispelling any of those rumors that uh, we were led to believe. The reason they brought in uh, Tua Tagovailoa, even though they were winning with Fitz, was to kind of audition him to see if he truly was the guy and if he was over that injury. But we're, we're still going to find out. But the Dolphins defensively, and you, you mentioned the defensive score, that to me is what has really sort of defined this team so far. And I think a lot of people sort of varied with their opinions on what this team was going to be about going into 2020. Were they going to be in sort of a rebuild where they can continue to kind of build up that roster or were they going to make a run at it, knowing that there was an expanded playoffs and the Patriots were going to be likely down compared to years past. And it would be probably be, uh, you know, just Buffalo that they really had to chase. So yeah, right now I think it's them and Buffalo. And, and I think that that is something that is probably a very welcome surprise for Miami dolphin fans, but yeah, it's it's hard not to be impressed with what they've continued to do when really no one gave them much of a shot. And it, it's no wonder, and, and Chris, you know this so well, if you've got a good defense and you've got a capable offense, you don't have to be a great offense, but if you have a capable offense and you have a good defense, there's going to be a lot of Sundays that you're going to be at least at the, at the very least in it to win at the end. And, you know, the best case scenario is starting to win those games and Miami's figuring out how to win football games. Yeah, and um, on, on another note with Miami, you know, they had five coaches that all of a sudden, right, for the game were in close contact or whatever that weren't able to be at the game. Yeah. So you saw Fitzpatrick out there coaching Tua, and that, that is a – that was a big, you know, challenge, I think, and, and they overcame it. So I really like what Brian Flores is doing down there. I, I don't think they're quite there yet. They need another year probably to really go in and take on a division champ, but they're they're building, they're getting better, and they're, they're an exciting team to watch. Yeah. A uh, really exciting noon game was the Buffalo Bills and the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, look, this is the one thing, if you are trying to put your chips all in on Seattle, the one thing has got to make you nervous. This is not the Legion of Boom days. This is not a, a defense that is going to stymie you and hold you to under 20 points every every afternoon. I mean, this is a, a leaky defense. The good thing is they've got DK Metcalf and they've got, for my money, the, the, super, or the league MVP right now in Russell Wilson. Russ is awesome. He plays great. Uh, I love DK Metcalf. I think their offensive line maybe doesn't get a, enough credit either. It's just Seattle's defense that really does concern me. And if you're a Buffalo fan, I think the other part that has to encourage you, Josh Allen was kind of taking it on the chin the last couple of weeks. He played a very good football game. <coughs> and the fact that Buffalo, mind you, against Seattle's defense, showed that they could outshoot a team. They could, you know, if their defense, because I'm with you, and I think you brought this up last week the Buffalo defense maybe isn't as stout as it's been the last couple of years. So in the games where your defense is getting beat by a good Seattle offense, you, you need to feel at least somewhat reassured that you can have the offense that can stay with the team and, and can outshoot a team. And that's what Buffalo did. So I think there's a lot of positives that came out of this for the Buffalo team, trying to get back sort of into that groove that we saw at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Buffalo did what they, they should have done is they came out and they took a, a nice lead, right? They came out, a hot um, Josh Allen had over 415 yards passing, three touchdowns. I've had a rushing touchdown. Um, you know, the problem with with Seattle is twofold. Number one, their defense, obviously, against the pass is not that great, right? Um, they just, quite honestly, get beat up too much. They did, Actually, I think they had a lot of sacks in this game. But, you know, Seattle, they're leading rusher at 31 yards. And when you're not able to rush the football – then you put Russell Wilson into a bad position and he had several turnovers, interceptions, 
fumbles. He got hit a lot. And Buffalo kind of showed the that they were for real. I think they were finally in a good spot. You know, they were at home on a normal week. Seattle had to travel out there, which I think it took its toll on them. Uh, again, they're on, on a different coast. So um, I, I look at this game. Now, this game was just kind of Buffalo showing that they belong in that mix, that top-tier mix in a good spot, um, great record. But it's funny because we were talking about our best bets and our picks last week. And in the, in the early slate of games, the, the favorites killed it. They're five and three. And you saw some big scores and big numbers on the favorites. This was not a favorite, obviously, um, here. But you look at some of the favorites that came in really big with Baltimore. And um, let's see who else. Minnesota was favored. Um, Tennessee. Tennessee. You know, there's – Atlanta was favored in one, um, but then the late slate of games, all underdogs were four and zero against the spread. Yep. So the underdogs covered in the back end. The the favorites won on the, on the front end. So um, good game. We'll see. We'll see how these guys go forward, um, and they take on the rest of the the AFC and NFC respectively. This is going to sound weird, and you'll have to bear with me on this one. The Ravens they got a big win, and, and I thought that was a great win because I think the defense for Indianapolis was something that the Ravens going to have to show that they could overcome because I, I like the way the Steelers were able to defend Baltimore. And if they are going to be that team that we expect them to be uh, Baltimore, that is, they're going to have to show that they can score against good teams. They did that enough. And I think they played well enough. Uh, Lamar Jackson was very efficient in this game. I, I'm, I'm still not convinced he's even close to the, the same player he was a year ago though. And I, I still, it's, this sounds crazy that even in a 24, 10 win over Indianapolis and, and I, what should be considered a good win for, for Baltimore. I, I continue to find myself maybe not as big of a believer in Baltimore that I was at the beginning of the year. Well, Baltimore is to my mind. Yes. A great win. Uh, Baltimore definitely. Uh, they, they did awesome. They, they did exactly what they do to win games. It's, I think the question comes down to if they, when they play good teams, can they win that way? Right. Baltimore, we talked about their front runner. They have to have the lead. Lamar Jackson just is not great at hit, hitting the outside throws and the deep throws. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, he's going to run the ball. Um, he's going to, they're going to, they're going to run the ball. He's going to hit tight ends, but that's hard to go, come back and win games in the fourth quarter running that kind of football. So they're, they're very narrow in what they can or can't do. Um, I was a little disappointed in, in Indy. Right. Philip Rivers, I think, may, might not be the answer out there. They're still a good team. Their defense played a good game. They yeah. just got worn down because their offense couldn't do anything. Um, Indianapolis just, you know, they didn't do that great on, on, on offense. Right. They Philip Rivers threw some picks. He did not not he's not as nearly as crisp as what you would hope for them to be. And the defense kind of worn down there a little bit. I think that Baltimore's kind of in that bottom of the first tier where, yeah, they have greatness in Lamar Jackson, but can they go out and win a game on the road in the playoffs, right? Can they, can they beat the chiefs, the Steelers, the bills, you know, those top teams mm -hmm. in the AFC. And at this point, it's hard to say they can because they're very one dimensional. So, and let's not forget the good thing about Baltimore in this effort is they had so many guys that were out due to that contact tracing yep. and all of them, except for Marlon Humphrey came back and played. And even with, that lack of practice time they played a really good game against the Colts yeah I, I would agree with that uh the, the Chiefs we mentioned uh, Christian McCaffrey comes back for the Panthers so th that gives the Panthers a, a bit of a spark offensively are, are you concerned at all with Kansas City's defense because they could even when they would kind of get the lead they could just never really put the Panthers away I mean that thing was white knuckle to the very end and, and 
again, I don't, I did not see this Panthers team coming into this weekend, you know, feeling like they were playing really good football. All of a sudden they kind of hit the skids a little bit, but uh, maybe getting McCaffrey was the boost they needed. I don't know. Are, are you concerned a little bit about the chiefs defense from what we've seen? Um, I mean, the chiefs defense is, is what I would call a complimentary defense to a very potent offense, right? The offense really kind of did just what it needed to do. Uh, very workmanlike effort. You know, when, when a quarterback throws four touchdowns, they were talking about how it's a letdown. That's pretty amazing. Uh, but they continue to find ways to win. And the defense isn't going to be a great defense. I mean, when you have a great offense, you can't have a great defense. So I think it's a little more dangerous that the Chiefs found a way to win, even when they didn't play their best effort on defense. They still found it. I think they had a little spark. You know, I think I saw somewhere that someone says, this is what happens when you're everyone's Super Bowl. You get their yeah. best shot and they get to you to win. Right. So they, they have, there is definitely room for improvement. I think that they have to be better at tackling. I think they have some have better um, at maybe covering a little bit, but Matt rule pulled out everything, the fake punt. I mean, the guys were making catches of a lifetime in that game against the chiefs. So they still find a way to win. I, I chiefs get a much needed buy. They can maybe get a couple of their guys back. And this is, kind of the same thing they did last year and hopefully they can maybe go on a run try to put together a streak to, to get back to the Super Bowl all right uh we got to get into this Bears Tennessee game just for the fact that um okay hang on a sec let me make sure I got yeah and I can't uh, believe I can't believe you let you talked me into the Bears over the Saints as my pick right I was like oh man which one is it you said the Bears and well I, I said the Bears I said the Bears they were very good as as a as a dog. They've been very they're awful as a as a favorite, but they're very good as a dog. I lived a short period as a Bears fan, and I don't want to go back there. Right. Mm. I, I did it this weekend. This helps. They would cover as an underdog and they didn't. And this is what you have to feel like every week. Yeah, you know, this this, this I'm telling you, this, this helps. <laughs> you know what up with some bourbon, right? <laughs> yeah, I got some bourbon. And if that doesn't work, I just bring in the makers, Mark. There, there you too. go. Uh, so I, and okay, I'm, I'm glad you started there. You know, there was a once upon a time that you were, you followed the bears and you're a bears fan as a bears fan. You've known that you're going to see some really bad offense because the monsters of the midway moniker has always been have a have a fantastic defense, get those teams at soldier field in the cold weather, you beat them up and you play ball control offense. You get a good rushing attack. You, you put up just enough points to win you football games. And if you go back two years ago, Matt Nagy's debut with the Chicago bears, that's exactly what they're doing. That was a championship level defense. They had an offense that was good enough. They were there. Like you said about the chiefs, they played complimentary offense as opposed to complimentary defense. The bears played complimentary offense offense so at that time I'm thinking to myself it wasn't great every weekend in that 2018 season you saw towards the end of the year even in the playoffs the offense started to kind of regress but you're thinking okay it's Matt Nagy's first year with Mitch Trubisky you know they're, they're still getting sort of their ducks in a row he's still getting his stamp on this on this offense so you're just scratching the surface right you go to 2019 they fail to score over 20 points a game you're thinking okay maybe Mitch just isn't the guy it's you know the whole you know square peg in a round hole it's not going to work 
Uh, so you need your guy. All right. So they go out and they get Nick Foles, especially during a pandemic year. They feel like they don't need to work him out that much. He knows the offense that much. And now the offense looks even worse. And it seems like somehow that Matt Nagy and Nick Foles are not even on the same page. There's communication issues. I know the offense, offensive line is kind of a mash unit. They lost a couple of guys to, to COVID and to injuries. But, uh, Chris, I've seen other teams in the league have either as bad or worse offensive line fortunes, and they, yet they still are able to put more than 20 points on the freaking scoreboard. I've seen some bad Chicago Bear offenses. I've, I lived through the, the, the Cade McNown, the, the Chad Hutchinson era. I, I've seen some terrible offenses. What I saw Sunday might have been the uh, Jimmy Clausen, don't forget Jimmy Clausen had to play for a little bit too. And that was terrible. This might've been the worst offensive performance I've seen from the Chicago bears. And what is so gut wrenching is with every Sunday that they underperform, you are wasting more and more and more of what is still a very, very, very good defense. It's frustrating. Yeah. You know, for the bears perspective, um, and Matt Nagy needs to kind of, kind of look at the big picture, I think and realize who he is, who his team is, and then put your players in position to complement the best part of your team, which is your defense. But if I look at this game, the Bears went 2 of 15 on third down. Against the worst third down defense in the league. And they were minus 2 in the turnover margin. So those are two things that you got to be able to convert third downs to keep drives going. You have to win the turnover battle and you should, cause you should get takeaways, just hold on to the ball. And then you have to be able to score when you have opportunities. Now the bears in to their credit came back and almost covered. They made a little bit of a comeback, but um, they need to play defensive football. And I think it needs to spread over to the offensive side too, right? Run the ball. It's okay to punt. I'm okay with them punting, but don't turn the ball over. And I've been on teams like that and, and you can win like that. Um, I think actually it would work if you just, kept it to within a touchdown or 10 points Foles actually has some comeback ability in him um just get through the first three quarters without messing it up so Matt Nagy I think deserves a lot of the blame in this yeah it's not easy because they've had some guys out but but it just seems like for the creative genius he's supposed to be stop being so cute and creative and just help your team be in a position to win and if they can do that I think they have a they, they have a chance to kind of sneak in the playoffs and maybe win a game. You know, it's just they, they just have to change their DNA because because that's who they are. Don't try to be something you're not. Well, and and let me ask you about the offensive line thing because any of the the Chicago Bears fans that are either pro Mad Nagy, I'm not saying I'm anti Mad Nagy. I just I don't understand his play calling and I don't understand trying to force your system into a roster that maybe he wants to be the Kansas city chiefs. You don't have the Kansas city chiefs roster. So you've got to cater to your guys. I don't think he's done a good job of that. But having said that a lot of the people that feel like Matt Nagy is a very, very good coach and a very, very good offensive mind will point to the offensive line and say, well, without the offensive line, you can't do anything, which I think part of that is true. But Chris, you know, Correct me if, I, if I'm wrong here, but I, I know I've seen other offensive line units that have been beaten up and they've been able to sort of adjust to that or have had just below average offensive lines in a year and adjust to that to where they're at least putting up the necessary 20 to 24 points a game in an offensive uh, league where given this defense, it's all you really need. So, I mean, is that a legitimate excuse, the offensive line, or do you think that that's a little bit of a cop out? 
Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I think that is a legitimate excuse as to how challenging it is, but it doesn't mean that you can't find ways to, to overcome it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And you see what the good coaches do. The interesting thing about Nagy is as a head coach, he's never been this guy, you know, when you're a coordinator, like he was a good coordinator, you know, your, your, your head coach basically gives you a direction and says, stay within these parameters and now go be good at that. He's in the top chair now where he gets to decide the direction and he hasn't done a very good job of it. So I think if he like had someone maybe helping him saying, listen, into this game, you know, what we're going to do, we're going to try to have balanced run and pass game or, win the turnover margin or whatever it might be pick pick something but go yeah. out and be good at something so that you're you're helping your team instead of hurting them yeah it's the the lack of adjustments uh within the scheme within the personnel that's been very frustrating for me personally as a chicago bears fan and, and the, the team i'm about to bring up next and the game I'm about to bring up next is not a sexy game and we kind of laughed about it last week but the the dolphins i'm sorry the, the vikings and the uh the lions uh look Zimmer is simplifying things and they're looking at their offense and saying, Hey, Kirk cousins has hurt us more than he's helped us this year, but we've got a guy named Dalvin cook. Let's make sure that he is featured. We showcase him in our offense. And all of a sudden they've won two in a row, including a big win against the green Bay Packers. They run all over the Detroit lions. All of a sudden the Vikings, I don't think it's too late for them. If another team is to come out of the NFC North, uh, possibly in this expanded playoff year. I would put my money on the Vikings over the Chicago Bears right now, and those two teams play Monday night football. And, hey, look at the records. The Vikings going to Chicago is actually a road favorite, if that tells you where things are going for both of these organizations. Well, that, that's kind of a little bit of a look at it, and later in the week we'll talk about it. But, you know, Dalvin Cook had 252 total yards. Mm-hmm. And their formula for winning is to not let Kirk Cousins lose it for him. Yep. It's a great formula. And, if, and it helps to have Dalvin Cook. Don't get me wrong. And he just is dominating right now. And I, I just, it's amazing to me that one player can make that big of an effort. Kind of like Julio Jones is doing down in Atlanta. A superstar can really pull your team together and yep. over, overshadow a lot of the deficiencies because they still don't have a great defense. Um, but they did enough. They, they kind of got after Stafford in there, beat him up a little bit. Um, Minnesota is a team to watch. Uh, they're an exciting team to watch, and they are playing to their strength. That's what good coaches do. That's why I think Mike Zimmer hopefully gets to keep his job and because um, I like watching him coach. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. I, I, I never That was the, the part when they were really struggling. And, and mind you, they're still a three-and-five team. I understand that. But when they were really struggling – I, I refuse to believe that it was all just because of Mike Zimmer. I, I just think that Mike Zimmer is a good coach. I think he's a very good defensive mind. I think he has a good h- handle on things. And then when you look at who they just played in the Detroit Lions and Matt Patricia, that again, it, it, where I, I think you have two completely different coaching personalities and presence in their organization where I just don't think anybody respects Matt Patricia right now. And I think the, the Vikings, even through struggles, that's how they get out of it because I think that entire locker room looks at Mike Zimmer and they believe in what he's doing as opposed to Detroit looking at Matt Patricia and saying, okay, this is the guy we got to stick with. I just don't see that in Detroit. No, and you think about a, another game that that's coming out in a, an emerging favor for a job is Raheem Morris down in Atlanta. Yep. He's putting together, excuse me, a good couple of games, right? Now, Denver's not a juggernaut by any means, but they just unleashed what they are. Matt Ryan had three touchdowns. This is Zacchaeus, 103 yards and a touchdown. I don't even know who that guy is. But um, they're, they, they're playing good football. Um, Gurley's doing okay. They're helping him run the ball. 
and, and Denver just kind of is who they are. They they show flashes of doing some great things. You know, Drew Locke with his dances and whatnot um, didn't do didn't do bad, but he he continues to underperform at the big moments of the game. Yeah. So another thing to look at is Jerry Judy, who's having a, a great year, 125 yards and a touchdown. Um, I didn't watch. I watched this game a little bit on the red zone, but they 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 made some big plays. And Julio, man, he's a huge presence down there, and they've kind of got their swagger back. I hope Raheem Morris. I really hope that maybe he can pull it together and get a chance at this job. I like him as a coach. Yeah, they're getting out of their own way. I mean, that was the thing with this team is they'd have leads. It was never a question of whether their offense could put up the points. It was could they close teams out, and at least they're finally doing that too, which is a welcome sign there in Atlanta. I don't know how much time we want to spend on the Texans-Jaguars, but uh, the Texans, hey, good for them. They got to win. The Jaguars, they're pretty bad. Um, you know, I was kind of – what's that? That Luton's not bad. Not that bad. I tell you what, he had a good game. Well, I was just going to say, if there's one team that maybe has a worse situation, a quarterback than the Chicago Bears, maybe it's the Jacksonville Jaguars, because I feel like, oh, we were, you know, they dangled Gardner Minshew uh, last year, like, oh, there's a guy, and then he doesn't turn out to be the guy, and so they're, I think they're kind of auditioning some some people just to kind of fill some snaps this year, mm-hmm. and who's going to be the backup for whatever draft pick they get, because I think they're they're also going to be in the running for either Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, maybe you know uh, Trey Lance, whoever. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Hey, the Texans at the very least, if you're a Houston Texan, you could say, Hey, we got the quarterback position figured out. Yeah. You got, you got that one. The giants came up with a big win yes, they um, did. five. They were plus five in the turnover turnover margin and they still almost lost the game. So they, um, they have some work to do out there, but they need to play the Washington Washington's, whatever they are every week. <laughs> they, they can beat them. They are, they own them. Everyone else, not so much, but they do that. But now the late games, man, they have some, Again, the underdogs against the spread were four and zero. Oh. My pick was the Raiders, and the Raiders came out and won. Now it's not a huge you know, accomplishment, I guess, to go out. And I got down game. to a pick 'em game too. Yeah, I did get down. I did get down, but the Raiders just, you know, they did a good job. Carr's very efficient in what he's doing. Uh, my boy Jacobs, who's on my fancy team, I'm mine seven, too. I'm mine seven too. and two now, so doing nice. really well in there. Um, they did good. And then Chargers kind of do what they always do is they show some flash, uh, but they find out a way to lose again, two weeks in a row, losing on the last play of the game. Um, I think that Herbert big plays, just not quite there to go and learn how to win a game. Mm-hmm. Um, they, now I was also lucky that Justin Jackson got hurt in like the first play. He was a running back for the fantasy team I was going against and he was out right away. So the Chargers continue to have a little bit of bad luck in that. The Bellage and Kelly end up being the running backs who you really haven't heard that much about them, but that was a good game, a good game. Um, and the Raiders continue to kind of sneakily have a good season. Boy, the Steelers almost let one slip through their fingertips. They're actually shouldn't say slip through their fingertips. They had to work extra hard to come back against a, just a beat up depleted. I would still say flat Dallas Cowboys football team, but I mean, give Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys credit. They came out, they played their butts off and you got Garrett Gilbert, who's Gilbert coming in, you know, throwing the ball around, trying to do something for this offense. And they, they damn near almost pulled it off against one of the best teams in the NFL right now. But you know what I took away from this one, we see so many teams that come out on a Sunday they just do not play good football. They, they, you know, whether it's having mistakes or having some breaks go against them, whatever the case may be, you know this better than anybody. 
Sometimes Sundays are just not in the cards, even for the best teams. But if you do have one of those days and you can still figure out a way to win, boy, that that to me is is the the markings of a very good football team. And I think that's what I pulled away from the Steelers. Yeah, it wasn't a great performance by the Steelers, but the fact that they were able to avoid uh, an upset and just kind of a, I wouldn't say a devastating, but just kind of an ugly loss. I just think that speaks more about the Steelers and being able to win even on a day that uh, they probably shouldn't have won. Yeah. They, I mean, they came back. Roethlisberger needs to get ding, knocked around a little bit before he settles down and plays well on one leg. Um, I, lo- I love it. I give a shout out to John Fossil, son of my ex um, Giants coach. John was around there a little bit uh, who pulled out everything and, and about pulled out a win as a special teams coach. Um, just, just got after it, made some plays. Um, pulled out all the tricks. Um, but yeah, that, that was a good game. There's one thing I, I will say, one thing to watch out for the Steelers who are getting really kind of, kind of big time. And I think is Juju Smith, who I really like Juju Smith Schuster um, tried to pull a Bush league stunt to go out to the middle of the field and do it. Old Terrell Owens. Oh yeah. Getting on the start. The start I, I think yeah. that in my mind, I hope, I know James Conner grabbed him and said, what are you doing? He needs to like get his butt kicked in the locker room for that. Like, don't, don't go out and make headlines being an idiot. You know, that's just, I, I think it's, I hope that isn't indicative of immaturity uh, in that locker room. You know, the whole Antonio Brown kind of mentality, because that could tear them apart. And enough guys, they're going to grab him and hold him down and say, if you ever pull that stuff again, you're, you're not going to yeah. be out there. Um, but the Steelers, you know, the, the only thing, bad thing about them is they continue to win and, and, and losses are there somewhere. I don't know where, but we're going to obviously go off that game because it's Dallas. Who cares? Um, the next two games, I think, are the ones that we can kind of tie together. Okay. And my take on – so Tampa came out and just laid an absolute egg getting beat up by New Orleans who jumped out to a big lead and never took their foot off the gas. And then last night we saw New England was down by 10 for most of that game and figure out a way to come back and win. Yeah. And, you know, my take in this on the big picture is – you have two quarterbacks who kind of change positions, right? Tom Brady goes down to, to Tampa, leaving this marriage with Bill Bill Belichick. And then you have Cam Newton up there in New England with Josh McDaniels. And if I my observation about both of those situations, I think each team is, is a little lost in how to use their quarterback, right? Tom Brady's the kind of guy, and Trent Dilfer gave a great analysis of this, who comes into a game, he's not a take shots all game long kind of guy right? He's not a guy that wants to like, right. he wants to get started by like completing passes, right? Yep. Running the football, running screens, running draws, hitting crossing routes, quick outs. And then when the defense comes up and tries to stop that, he hits them over the top. Mm-hmm. Well, early in that game, they, Arians had him taking shots early. And I know you have Antonio Brown now, you have uh, Mike Evans, you have these big time players, but I would cater the offense more to the, the quarterback specialty than just your personnel. Now, I think the New England Patriots are doing doing the same thing in an opposite way, right? Cam Newton, they're they're putting him in this box, and he just looks uncomfortable all the time. He's not that guy. Let him go. Let him take shots. Let him run guys over. I just feel like both these teams are, are looking at their quarterback and saying, you're going to fit into how we want you to fit, rather than saying, what are you great at? You know, Cam Newton's a big play. He might make some mistakes. I mean, I just think that Arians is used to um, Jameis Winston, who's a, yeah. just a shot guy. And Belichick's used to Tom Brady, who's a very conservative, very tech, tactical kind of guy. And they both have switched roles, and now they're they're misusing them. And 
I don't know. I, that's why I look at New England. I'm like, I just, it's just boring. I'm like, it's Cam Newton. You know, you don't see the big smile, the Superman stuff that he does. Yeah. That's where he excels. And then Tom Brady is like, listen, I don't want to be a big shot. I just want to win. So both of those games, my takeaway is that the quarterback for the losing, well, not the losing team because the New England Patriots won, but I just feel like if they would maybe cater to their strengths more, they'd have more success. And, and the Patriots, my also last night, I Cam Newton had a good game. He was 27 of 35 for yeah. 274 yards. He was 10 of 10 at once accuracy didn't look good but he was accurate and he played very well within that thing they just don't have the receivers right they need no. they need mike evans and antonio brown to throw it deep because that's what cam newton can do and another side of it i mean tom brady can work in any offense but if you can just let him get a good feel for the game then he'll 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 take some shots yeah the, the thing about cam newton that that was my biggest concern going in and i i fully expected another rough one because he just it seems like when he was throwing the ball the last couple of weeks it just didn't look good he's shorting just some very basic throws it was odd to watch even for cam newton who i know is not always known as this you know guy's gonna throw 40 or 50 times and complete over 75 percent of those throws it just looked weird it was good to see him kind of find a little bit of a rhythm and hey best recipe to get some confidence is playing the new york jets even though they damn near lost that football game it was not going to be because of cam newton now it's interesting what you say about tom brady in the buccaneers system because going into the year remember everybody talked about Jameis's numbers last year he was the first quarterback to have the 30 and 30 the 30 touchdown passes but also the 30 interceptions and they said well that's the that's a byproduct of a Bruce Arians offense mm -hmm. you are going to take more shots down the field so the interception numbers might be up a little bit but if you can get a guy in there that can make good decisions that has better accuracy well then that's when this offense really pops and we saw some of the fruits of this offense early with Tom Brady at the helm but the Saints defense I'm not going to sit there and say that they're a top five defense because I don't feel that they are but there were some matchups in this game that I think really did rattle the Buccaneers Tristan Marshall, 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 Marshall. Great game. I mean he shut down Mike Evans yes an awesome job Lattimore is great, but also when you look at the defensive front and especially putting some guys up against Tristan Wirfs, the rookie out of Iowa for, for Tampa Bay, there were some mismatches there. Early on, that seemed to sort of rattle this offense. Tom Brady, three interceptions, and two of them were throws that I just I, – I have no – explanation on I don't know what he was doing and it gives you an idea that he was not comfortable in this football game so what you said and I think it's a very good observation is for a team and a system that wants to challenge a lot of the secondaries throughout the league with the deep ball and they're going to kind of play the percentages that yep we might make a couple of mistakes but we're also going to hit a couple of big ones and given the fact that now we have another big time receiver in antonio brown we could take even more of those shots down the field you're exactly right with what tom brady and the new england patriots were able to do for so long during his career is how many times we see julian edelman how many times we see any of the other i mean even what back in the west welker days those guys coming underneath crossing patterns clear outs you would see them wide open they'd get the ball in space and then they'd be able to move up field 10 or 15 yards before they even engaged anybody and then all of a sudden secondary's kind of coming up trying to take away that portion of the field and then you would see tom brady go deep uh, really not since randy moss have we seen tom brady take a lot of shots deep uh now we're seeing him be asked to do that again and is as much as everybody just assumed well in the bruce arians offense if you have a guy that can take those shots but be a little bit more accurate you're going to have a lot more success failing to realize what you just brought up there 
that's not necessarily Tom Brady's strength. Yeah, he's accurate, but he's not a guy that wants to throw the deep ball 10 or 15 times a game, which in the Bruce Arians offense is what it's sort of predicated on. So is this a sign of things to come? I don't know if that's the case, but I would agree with you. I just think it was not a overall solid game plan and just trying to have Tom Brady play, you know, basically 500 in, in this football game. Yeah. My, my last thoughts, cause I got to get over and run a um, teach. Yeah, you do that. But um, two things. Number one is Tom Brady's the one with six Super Bowl rings mm-hmm. and has done this for a long time. I would say, Tom, what would you like to run? And he's going to be probably a better judge of what's going to work. Yeah than maybe a Bruce Arians, honestly, in all honesty. I, I just think that you go with what got what what works. And nine Super Bowls and six wins is is what works. Not not you know 30 for 30, 30 for 30, right? My biggest disappointment in that game wasn't Tom Brady because I think um he's gonna have off nights and I think that that's a correctable feature because they still have talent and he can still sling it. it. Just let him play the place he wants to run more. Right. Mm-hmm. My biggest, biggest disappointment is the Tampa Bay defense. Honestly, yeah. where where have they been the last two games? This pass rush. Now, Shaq Barrett did a good job, but you know this defense is supposed to be just awesome. And we talked about it going into this game how the the linebackers are great rush guys. They can tackle, but they're not great cover guys. And I know the Saints saw that because all they did was kind of quick overs, quick outs, and and Drew Brees always looks like he's like looking over trying to throw it. Yep. He still completes a lot of passes, and th- th- it was prime prime to take over that game and then and tampa just didn't show up at home the biggest takeaway i got from this game from new orleans perspective is they went to tampa and won this game right they're not known as a road team playing in, on grass and conditions like that but they took it to them and now i think you got to look in new orleans and say okay who's yep. new orleans yep in the nfc new orleans is, is kind of up at the top because they proved they can go on the run on the road to beat these guys as they can play at home if they can get like a home advantage just because they get to play in, in the dome and at home they're going to be tough watch out for those guys in the nfc yeah i think as everybody was kind of writing them off and wondering what's wrong with drew Brees, all of a sudden they sort of reminded us it's still a very good team sean Payne's still a very good coach uh so yeah that, i thought that was a statement no question about it and i'm i know we'll have bigger matchups coming up uh here in week 10 it is it's crazy we're, we're sort of getting into now the back half of this season and as we always do we hope that everybody is safe and healthy and that we can continue to see games played at the volume that they're being played and uh as numbers go up it's it's a little uh nerve-wracking so we're kind of even more taking a day-to-day when it comes to any announcements any postponements any sort of shuffling of the schedule i think the nfl's done a great job with it we're just hoping that uh, everybody can kind of stay on that that same type of protocol that they're doing to try to keep Keep everybody going forward with this thing. That sounds like a plan to me. Let's um, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up, and uh, we'll look forward to week ten. It's amazing that we're in week ten yes. already. Big big week for everyone. I will say that I was four and zero. You know, the Giants won, Chiefs won. My Elkhorn Antlers, um, Austin's team had a huge yeah. in the playoffs. They're on to the next round, and of course, my fantasy team won again too. So, wow. looking good. We'll get you some good picks going into the weekend. Hopefully, some good lines and. Help you, help you make some money out there. We have some fun. Monday Night Football, need this. <laughs> All right, buddy. Have a good one. We'll see you next time. You as well.